pitching an NPC, whether that's doing an interview debrief, taking a job order, those are high value, high dollar activities. Can automate those. What we do want to look at is what are the other things in your day-to-day that take you away from that, that might enable you to do more and spend more of your time on those components that really are the high value add and high personal touch components. Hi, I'm Courtney Harmon, staffing and recruiting industry principal at Crelate. Over the past decade, I've trained thousands of frontline recruiters and I've worked with hundreds of business owners and executives to help their firms and agencies grow. This is the Full Desk Experience, where we will be talking about growth blockers across your people, processes, and technologies. Welcome back to another workshop. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about automation. I feel like this is like the next natural conversation with so much talk of AI being had at the moment. And then a lot of people are jumping in. But before you go jumping in with both feet on AI, because it's going to make your life easier. Now, it could make your life easier, but it could be replacing that human interactions that you have today. There are steps that you can take to take the burden off your teams and their desk and maybe to help you get time back in your day. Most importantly, to help you do the task that maybe you don't have time to do, when honestly, they just don't get done if you don't have time to do them. So we're going to talk about certain processes that truly equal dollars for your business. Many of the offices that I've worked with, and I'm sure Chris has too, have focused and prided themselves on processes, right? We're different. Doing things that made them different from others in the talent industry. Is that your office? Think about what makes you different. A lot of times what I hear through what speaks to people is maybe a lot of the time they maybe form more of trust and relationships with their candidates and customers. Maybe they have outstanding customer service. They truly care. They form a relationship with each and every person. Now, is that a differentiator? Absolutely. But let's face it. Your teams are talking to so many people, making so many calls, Do they have the time to follow those processes that you want them to, to help you stand out from the rest of the crowd? So today is all about making your teams have the technology in place to help you execute on those processes that are the golden ticket to keeping your company success higher and higher revenue, essentially. So I know your teams are busy and I want to shine a light on just one of the processes that we're going to be talking about today. I want to, I want you to think differently about something because a lot of times we get to the point that processes, well, we don't have time to do them. We'll do them later. It's not a big deal, but what comes down to it is the idea that we're losing money. We're leaving money on the table. And in times like now and today, we're in a down economy. So can you afford to leave those processes on the table? So I want you to think about reference calls, reference check calls. Do we have time to do all of them all the time? I'm going to guess no. Why? Because your teams are busy. They're too busy filling orders, sourcing candidates, chasing no-shows, setting up interviews. But let me ask you, you have turnover within your clients after you set up that initial candidate at their job? Because if you do, could that reference check have helped you prevent that turnover? It's something that you can't always predict or can't always know. But this call not only is going to have a way to gain extra information and insight into this potential candidate's performance and ability, it could help you retain candidates for your clients. Did you know that 34% of job candidates are removed from the hiring process due to the result of the reference check calls? 34%. 
that directly probably correlates to turnover. So that one simple call may show you a red flag or an issue that you are not seeing during your conversations. But the reference check call isn't always for candidates. Nope. This is also a warm call to a hiring manager. That hiring manager that hires the same type of people that you place. Now, is your organization struggling finding new job orders or people that are actually ready to hire? Because I've heard sales are down in almost every single one of my conversations in most segments of our industry. Sales are down. Are you using these reference check calls as leads for your sales team? Why wouldn't you call these people? These are reference check calls. They want to help the other people that you're talking to or that they've worked with at some point in time. It's the quickest way to a warm lead. Again, I know what I saw with thousands of recruiters. It comes down to time. But I want you to think smarter, not harder in these situations. Your teams could have automation set up for these things to happen on the back end. Chris is going to talk a little bit more about this, whether it's automation of the task or automation of the planning of the task. So we don't get lost in the shuffle. Use these automations to send emails, create those leads, talk to these hiring authorities, add them to your sales funnel, bring value to your clients, your prospects, and your candidates every single email in every single conversation. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox <laughs> for a minute and I'm going to bring on my favorite guest. Chris Heston is by far my favorite guest that we continually get to have on our podcast. Chris is the king of process improvement. Not only to make your business run more efficiently, but also to get the most out of your systems that you work with to increase your bottom line. Let's face it, during this down economy, you don't have the time or the resources not to put what we're talking about today into play. So Chris is going to dive into the details of the certain key processes that you'll want to focus on automating first before looking at automating everything, right? We start to get those dominoes going and we think we have to put the process in play with everything. So with that being said, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Automation can save substantial amount of time and efforts. So before we dive into this, talk to me about why automation, why is it important? Why is it important for us to put these key pieces into our business? And there's a lot of people that just don't know where to start. So is it truly the idea of understanding why before they get started? Give me your insights. Talk to me all things automation. So automation has, it's a buzzword I think we've heard for a very long time. It first hit the industrial world. Think of manufacturing automation in the 80s and 90s and jobs are all outsourced. Automation has the ability to improve efficiency dramatically, but it's a double-edged sword, especially in our line of work because relationships are so vital and important to what we do. I look at where I've seen some recruiting firms talk about the future of AI and automation going, and their version of this future almost eliminates the recruiting job completely. And I look at that and say, that's terrible, first off, and that's never going to happen, second off, because so much rides and so much is important with the human interaction and the value that you guys bring. If you look at the recruiting industry as a whole, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit type of recruiters that can get automated. You can't. Hopefully you can't in that you are providing value through relationships. You're doing that human element. So what can we automate? We should be looking to automate the things that take you away from the human element, things that take you away from building that personal brand, building that business relationship brand, and giving you the access to additional candidates and clients as you go into the future. We'll get into what we need to automate first, but let's get into the idea of the pros and cons of automation, because you, you hit something that the human element is something that goes either could go by the wayside if we don't do it correctly, 
but that that's also where people pride themselves of being different, right? So as we think of automation, sometimes from the old school offices that I've worked with, automation is a curse word to them. It's a powerful tool for scaling your business, but it's also paralyzing because they think the robots will take over or it's the idea that they're not going to have that touch, right? So it can get overwhelming. So let's talk about the pros and cons of automation. Let's start start first with the cons. Obviously, loss of human touch. Automations can make those interactions with candidates and clients feel less impersonable if not done correctly, right? Absolutely. I, something else I'd build on with that as well is something you said in the beginning. In software, we have a, a phrase you'll often hear. It's kind of a crawl, walk, run concept. So in software, often you'll build something in initial version, then you'll slowly expand it and get to where you want to be. I've seen some firms decide I'm going to jump all in too much, too fast. They're not ready for it. They don't have those processes dialed up. It can be overwhelming. It can feel like a lot and it's too much too quickly. Uh, As we start to talk a little more about some of the specific actions you can take, think of that crawl, walk, run approach. Start small. Let's pick one thing. See how that goes. Then add in a second one and add in a third. But from a con perspective, human piece is really the biggest. I think second would be too much reliance on it as well. Keep in mind that a good recruiter, you're building relationships with your clients. Your clients trust you as a trusted consultant and a value add to their business, not a piece of machinery and software. Because at the end of the day, if that tool exists and all your client wants is a machine to automatically send messages and automatically vet candidates and then automatically put them through, they would just go buy that software and not need you. So your value is in your humanity. We don't want to take that out of the equation. I think look at it like when you call anywhere, like whenever I call Amazon, whenever I have to deal with a return, I just want to talk to a person. I just want to push zero. I just want to get through to the human element where I can have that conversation to really make the connection. So I love that. Do you feel that people look at it as loss of control whenever they think of automation? I think to some extent, yes. And often there's this fear of like, well, what's automated? What's going out? I see that most often in firms that jump in too quickly, especially if you've got a larger team and then people aren't quite sure, are emails going out? Are things happening? Cross-communication, it looks sloppy, like internally you don't know what's going on. So there is that element of you're taking some things out of your control. We'll talk a little bit more on it, but I really view and there's two elements. One is you're automating the actual execution or you're automating the planning. And one of those might be the right choice for you. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means, but I'm really excited about the those fronts. I love it. And what we're talking about here and what I'm hearing you say, and I think where my brain is going is you have to have an established process of how you want that exact process to go or workflow to go in order to automate that. And is there times that you ever see offices, they want to do that, but maybe they don't even have a process in place? The process has to come first. You can't automate something where you don't have a process for. I look back again, going old school, you know, the first firm I worked at, it was the hundred dials a day, or you're not going to be there tomorrow type of place. Very glad that environment has shifted. That's a lot. There's probably many of you on this call who grew up and that's how you, you started out. We know the market has shifted. However, I always had a very clear cut process, whether that was an outreach process for trying to get a hold of people on the business development side or on the candidate side. That could have been a process around how and what does my touch plan look like from a reference check standpoint or using that for, again, for business development or prospecting. But the process comes first. You really need to sit down and look 
holistically at how you approach this business and say, what are all the things that have to happen for us to be successful? Which of these elements require me and which of these elements don't require me? Or which of these elements take me away from the high value, high money aspects of what I do on a daily basis? Your calls with clients, whether that's pitching an NPC, whether that's doing an interview debrief, taking a job order, those are high value, high dollar activities. Can automate those. What we do want to look at is what are the other things in your day-to-day that take you away from that, that might enable you to do more and spend more of your time on those components that really are the high value add and high personal touch components. So if we have anybody on the fence, so we just talked about cons, what are the advantages? If we look at automation, when we have operations people on here, you know, do they bite the bullet? Do they go into automation? Let's talk a few things about advantages. I think quality number one comes to mind because we know that they're being done. A lot of times as leaders and operations leaders, we want something to be done a certain way. And we think in the back of our mind, and I've seen this done hundreds of times is, well, I want them to do this process this way. It's being done. And in reality, there's not enough hours in a day for someone to even execute on half the things that they want to be done because there's just not enough time in the day. So the quality is there and the process is followed if automation is in this play. I think quality is number one in my mind. Absolutely. And again, automation can give you that time back. So think of the mundane elements. For me, one of the most valuable activities that goes underappreciated in so many recruiting firms is doing regular check-ins with your candidates, as well as the hiring managers post-placement. Again, this is a candidate who now, for a short period of time, there's a window where they owe you a lot. You have greatly impacted and benefited their personal life and their professional life. Are we leveraging that? Are we having follow-up with them? Are we continuing that relationship? Far too often it's, oh, I accepted the offer, placements made, done, never hear from that recruiter again until the recruiter needs something else. Use automation to foster those relationships. Hiring managers in the same way. I, I always love to have a process, even before automation did it for me, of 30, 60, 90 days, six month, year check-ins with both the candidate as well as the client. Someone that's written or is writing you a check is most likely to write you another one here in the future. Why am I not staying on top of them? They can feel like mundane tasks. I have too much focus on current projects, trying to build up my sales funnel. And then we don't have time for these things that are huge value adds. Automate it. And I don't think people can not automate these tasks in the environment that we're in today or the economic environment that we have today. Anything else as you think of pros for automation, obviously efficiencies, quality, faster process, I think scalability. Anything else that comes to mind? I would say consistency as well. So if, especially if you have a firm with multiple recruiters, when you hire new people, it's often hard to ensure we have the right message going out. So think of it, if you hire a rookie recruiter, you can ensure that they have a strong message that is going out, something that is going to mirror what a veteran in the industry may be able to do. So you now maintain this consistency and avoid maybe that that ramp up time for somebody new coming in, or I've been the recipient of terrible emails that things are misspelled, fonts are all off. I mean, it is very clear that someone had no attention to detail at all when they sent something out. You can control this. You can ensure what is going out, how is it going out, when is it going out, who is it going to, so you have now consistent quality that adds efficiencies to your business. You just spoke to Katie and I. So training and development, getting those rookies up to speed quicker. 
amazing. Who doesn't want that uh, to be pulling in revenue faster? And then Katie, Katie proves my stuff on a daily. So I'm not going to say anything. I think all of this comes down to these all equal dollars for us. If we're not doing them, if they're activities that we know that create value and we're not doing them, we're just leaving money on the table. There is uh, another process when we were talking about references for lead generation, 66% of sales professionals say that lead generation from referrals are the highest quality of lead that they even work. We're struggling to get new business. If that is the highest value add for our leads, why are we not doing that? And if we don't have time to do that, let's at least automate a task to start that process for us to keep it forefront in our mind. So I love it. All right, Chris, anything else, pros and cons that come to your mind before we dive into the good stuff? I mean, I think if you look at the the pros here, it's the ability to ramp up your team, control the messaging, ensure those mundane things are getting done and getting done correctly to grow your business, giving you time back in your day. Biggest thing is why are you not considering or doing it now? So there's there's all the reasons to do it, but you have to do it correctly, which we're going to give you some good insights on. I love. So as we think about the biggest places that you see, I mean, you're working with hundreds of offices. Where do you see automation, pardon my lack of language, kicking butt and taking names in our talent industry? Where's the first place? If someone needs to start somewhere, what is one of the processes that they should automate? So we've talked about a couple already. Ultimately, it's all going to come down to outreach. Now, outreach at different points in your process. That might be outreach to references, outreach to candidates, outreach on the sales side. As a recruiter, half of your job is just trying to set up a conversation with someone. Back in the dial and smile days, it's all of the calls to talk to a handful of people. These are the outreach items we want to automate. Now, references, I have an incredible passion for. And I think in a few different veins here, most recruiters view references as a nuisance. It is a hoop. Their client may require them to do so. And if a client doesn't want references, they have this woohoo moment and feel like, hey, I got away and I don't have to do a reference check. That is the backwards and wrong approach and way to look at it. References, I think, in two veins are enormous. One, Courtney had mentioned already, what an easier way to do prospecting and and business development. How many people have a Zoom info license or are spending so much money on sourcing tools to find emails and phone numbers? Your candidates have emails and phone numbers of hiring managers. They do. All you have to do is ask them for them. Now, when asking candidates for references, I need to position it to them so it makes sense. Why would they want to share this information with me? And Asking for references early and often is something both Courtney and I kind of grew up with, and I am a staunch believer and supporter in. Two reasons. One, I have that phone number. I have that email. I have a list to build on my prospecting side. But two, if you do that reference check early, you now have additional components you can provide when submitting a candidate. You have additional information and details, hopefully catching anyone that should be disqualified, but better selling points to provide as well. Now, from a reference standpoint, automation, I see really in two veins here. One, we can automate the outreach. You have lists of references you've put together, references you've gathered from candidates, and I want to automate the outreach to them. But two, and this is where I actually see is critical and is often never utilized, how many of you have ever thanked a reference afterwards? So you're saying like sending a thank you post their placement? 1,000% or thanking them no matter what later. So think of it, this reference, you have an excuse to call them, 
You're reaching out to them because somebody they know has provided their name as a reference. Your odds of making that connection already go up dramatically. Well, let's automate a touch plan to send emails, phone calls, to make sure we build that connection. We can automate that outreach. But two, after you have that conversation, I want to put them in an additional drip campaign to thank them for having that conversation. Stay in touch. How else can you work with them or help them grow their career or their business as well? And you can value add any information to them. Now that you've already had established that relationship, the more times they see your name, the better. So you talked about two things, automating the task, but you talked about automating planning. Talk me through automation of planning. I mean, I think I'm following your brain, but help me for our audience. Talk me through automation of task and automation of planning and how you would do that here in references. Yeah, so automation of execution or of the task is I think what most people think. They think my the email is sending, the call is happening. I don't have to do anything as a human. I have no interaction. For some people, that may make sense, especially in your markets and firms. That's also very, very scary when you have a business or personal brand that is now on the line on what's going out on from an automated standpoint. A good recruiter is a planned recruiter. A good recruiter comes in and already knows for the rest of the day, what are they doing? What projects are they working on? Who are they reaching out to? Why are they reaching out? They've got everything ready to go. Automation doesn't have to mean the execution is now taken out of your hands. I used to spend a half hour, hour at the end of each day going through and planning, what what am I doing the next day? What searches am I working on? Who am I reaching out to? Who do I have follow-ups with? Ensuring that 7.30, 8 o'clock the next day, I'm buttoned up, ready to go. We can automate the planning component as well. So automation does not have to be the email sends automatically. It could be, hey, Courtney, it's time to go send that email. Here's the email template you put together. Why don't you go look over it? give it a check, add something in if you need, and then you can hit send on it. Really, if your recruiters or your team show up every day and they have a tool saying, awesome, time to make the next call, time to send that email, time to do the follow-up, time to ensure that you do the reference check, time to have that debrief conversation with the candidate, they do the execution, they do the work, system is doing the planning. It's ensuring they're not missing things, things are having the appropriate follow-up, and you have that consistent quality, Courtney, that you had talked about. I love that. Okay. You and I probably could talk about references all day long, so... Side note, whenever we drop this episode, we are going to give best practices around this process. What does that email look like? How can how can you develop this? How can you make it plug and play within your office? So be sure to check out the ebook whenever we drop that. Chris is going to continue to give hints as we go through this. So we talked about references. The other side of that coin naturally in my brain is referrals, Chris, because how many times I can tell you that I've worked with candidates, they don't ask for who else do they know? I think they'd feel like they haven't earned that right. But honestly, I like I like to swizzle a little, little bit differently. Like if you could make the dream team of people like you, who would you want to work with? I see that being felt fallen by the wayside and not even touched because we don't have time. Talk to me about referrals, how we automate that, what are some best practices, things, common mistakes that we do in this process. Anything you want to tell me about referrals? So there was a study, and I'll have to find it so Katie, you can include it in, in one of our things, but it essentially looked at people's disposition and generally people like being helpful more than they like being sold to. I used to tell the story like I hate being sold to. I will walk out the mall door in the rain to avoid the little kiosk that's trying to sell me something with the aggressive sales. It, it doesn't rest. Don't sell to me. I don't like it. I'm going to avoid it. I don't want to do it. But if someone asks for my help, I am 100% all in. When you're coming for referrals, you're asking for help. You're being human in reaching out and asking for somebody to help you. You're not selling to them. You're connecting with them. You're building a relationship with them that hopefully comes forward. I know recruiting firms, Courtney, I know you as well, who when they recruit, they don't even pitch the job or sell it at all. 
They literally only call people and ask for referrals, and that's everything they do. And they'll find that candidates who are interested will raise their hand and say, hey, actually, I would want that role. So when you're going with referrals, I think there's two ways to look at it. One, ensuring that people you've had contact with, you're following it up with a, thanks for the conversation. Who else do you know? Who else should I talk to? But the people you have better relationships with, candidates you've placed, hiring managers who you've worked with in the past on other roles, other people you've had in process, and maybe they didn't even get a placement. You can build incredibly strong relationships by asking for help. Who do they recommend? Who do they like? And you said it well, Courtney, who would they want to be in the trenches with? You know, when they're working on a big project, what's that candidate or that other employee that they would want right beside them? A players, no A players. A players will bring A players with them. Develop those relationships. And you can now automate, again, a touch plan, a drip campaign that is following up with these people you have relationships with to help build your bench. So probably even more important for those of you in the staffing side, where you have a lot of recyclability. I mean, you have roles you all always be able to hire and fill candidates for. If you've got a rock star, you can get that person on assignment next week. Build your bench, ask for referrals, and have that be a consistent part of your outreach plan, whether that's following conversations or with those known entities, candidates again you've worked with in the past, people you have on assignment now, or people you used to. And you talked about after you send the email. I know this isn't an automation, but having those templates there to understand that that's what you're asking for. And my brain is just essentially like an automation for me to be able to be like, okay, this is what I'm sending. This is what I want to say. And I don't have to take the time to craft the message every single time. It's saving me time. It's saving me money, but it's also ensuring that I'm doing it. But what better when you move them into a process that you, you know, they're vetted or whatever term you want to use that they're vetted automatically sends that. That's amazing. Let's back up in the process. Actually, it's not backing up, but it's how many times do we have candidates in our system that we forget about? Chris, everything that happens that we just put them in the system, set them and forget them? I'd recommend each of you look at how many candidates you have in your database. How many of them have you touched, had any interaction with in the last six months, six years? My guess is it's probably a small percentage of everything you have. You've got this wealth of information that's not being used, not being leveraged. You've forgotten about them. They've forgotten about you. That's a problem. So thinking in this terms, thinking of what we're going to call it re-engagement for all intensive purposes today. I know with some of the offices that that I've worked with in the past, twice a year, we did a re-engagement campaign. If they don't have a phone number, we were reaching out. Or if we haven't touched them in six months, we were sending out a campaign. What are some other things? Let's talk about re-engagement. Obviously, we want to get our people within our offices to look at our database first. But when there's not accurate data, it's almost like they're starting from square one every single time. So help me think this proactively for our listeners out here and our operations people. What are some things that they can do for automations to reactivate candidates and how frequently should they do it? Yeah, so I mean, I like your idea of twice a year. I think that's really a good start, especially if you have larger firms, larger you know pools. I know people with seven users with 600,000 contacts in their database. It can get ridiculous sometimes. But look at these people you've had conversations with in the past, just dropping your name back out there, even having that email that's, hey, Courtney, I know it's been a while since we last chatted, just wanted to reconnect. Hope's all going well. Reference changes on LinkedIn. I'm a big believer Everyone is on LinkedIn. First off, everyone who's a recruiter, you get those notifications that congratulate so-and-so, they got a new role, a new job. What a fantastic excuse to re-engage with someone. 
add them to a list to now re-enter in an, in an automation drip campaign to congratulate about their new role and build that relationship further. You've invested time and money to source someone in the past, have conversations with them, qualify them as either a sales lead or as a candidate. All of this time is money you have spent, but the number of candidates we engage with compared to we place, it's very different. You might talk to 50 people to place one. What are you doing with the other 49? How are you ensuring that you didn't waste your time on those 49 and you still have a revenue benefit coming from those relationships? So when someone works with you, don't view this as a one and done. And that's far too often how recruiters approach this. And it's why the biggest complaint people have about recruiters is their consistency. I, I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but Reddit has a, I forget what it's called, but it's like an I hate recruiters subreddit. Look through there. And I, I really say you'll find great examples of poor implementation of automation, poor recruiting practices, what candidates dread. One of the things is, hey, the recruiters only call me when they need me. Well, we can automate outreach when we don't so that when they need us, we're there. Or when we need them, it doesn't feel like it's the first time and we're, we're begging them for something. I know this is something I've heard this out of you before, just through training and MRI. Chris, for those of you who don't know, Chris is a foodie. He loves to cook. Chris had talked about even sending his favorite barbecue recipe out on Memorial Day. As goofy as that sounds, I don't know if anyone on this call does stuff like that. Something that you're giving, you're giving information without requiring information from a candidate is huge. Whether it's something little or something big, is it a value to them? Every single person in our in this room and sitting on this call is what's in it for me. Is this beneficial to me? And your candidates think of it as the exact same way. And I can tell you... I can't even count on both of my hands how many times I've seen someone say, oh, look at this amazing candidate I found on ZipRecruiter or Indeed. Oh, they've been in our system. Oh, they were actually in our system back in 2021. But guess what? We are spending money on that job board to get new candidates. In reality, it's just recycling a lot of the same people that we've already had in our system for years that we didn't take care of in the beginning. That's a hard truth right there. I'm sure all of you have had that. I mean, I, I can remember vividly the first time it happened. I was in a new industry, was only in it for about six months, had like $150,000 role, role I'm working on on the perm side. And the candidate that was placed was in our database. Never would have found them compared to it. The information was old. They'd been in there for 11 years. No one had looked at them or touched them. It's stale data. Your database and the information you have is only as good as your usage of it. You can't just shove it in here and forget about it and think you're going to come back five years later and it's still going to be of any value to you whatsoever. You have to keep using it. You have to keep up with it. And automation in these aspects is a great way to ensure you have these continual touches going out. You have a bounce back. The email's bad. You're going to know now, as opposed to six years later, when something pops back up, you have now a chance to, great, let's go ahead and take a look. Oh, they changed jobs. Great. They're now a new role. Let's re-engage and see where we can make this happen or expand a relationship. Great points. All right. Let's talk the opposite end of the process. I'm just jumping all around today. My brain, it's a Thursday. I'm ready for Friday. Redeployment is something that I see so many organizations not do well. But in reality, an automation in play for redeployment would probably help us drastically just mitigate the churn. And whenever I say churn, obviously, when we get to the idea of someone is ending an assignment... We know that you know they're coming to the end, but that doesn't mean we can't redeploy them. That means we probably have candidates or clients that are looking for another candidate just like that. Give us the chance to put them back to work. Talk to me about redeployment and automation. Do you see that being something that we should put into play? And 
What are some things that we need to think about if we're redeploying? How do we how do we walk through that automation? I mean, staffing is such a fantastic business because you have this annuity that essentially comes and the more candidates you place on assignment, the bigger this annuity gets. But that only grows if the people you're adding on assignment increases faster than the number of people leaving. Well, one of the best ways and for any of you in business, MBAs, the cost of a customer leaving or somebody coming off assignment is so much bigger, a bigger time saving to keep that person redeployed than finding a new candidate and placing someone new. Your efficiency comes with keeping those candidates They're a known entity. You know the quality of their work. You know there's demand for their product. And you know when their role is going to end and they're going to be available. Imagine if you had that for every candidate in your database. Your job as a recruiter would be so much easier. Somebody who you know is good, you have contact info for, they like you or have a, hopefully a good relationship with you. You know exactly when they're available and what type of role they want. If you have that type of information for every candidate in your database, the number of placements you can make is limit, limitless. You have that information for candidates, the ones you've placed that are on assignment that where that assignment is ending in November. It ends January 3rd. You know the end date. You know the project they're working off is ending. Why are we not kicking a cadence off two months prior to that, six weeks prior to that, to begin outreaching and, hey, your time's coming again. Let's re-engage. Let's talk. Let's figure out what comes next so we can immediately plug and play that candidate directly into another project. Is there any mishaps whenever you think of redeployment besides someone not having a process in play, which I think is very common? Is there any other mishaps whenever you think of automation for redeployment? I think this is one where I like scaling and changing how you do your automation. For example, we talked about I'm automating the actual execution versus the plan. People you have relationships with, crafted emails that you write are going to be better than what ChatGPT can write. It's someone you know. You have more information about them in your brain then a tool is going to be able to craft something for you. So maybe while you might start off with some automated emails that are very generic, automating the task reminder, the plan to start reaching out, having follow-up with phone calls to ensure you make that connection. Because here's the thing, when that candidate comes off assignment, they're not going to sit unemployed. They are going to go back on another assignment somewhere. The question is, are you getting paid for it or not? They're looking for their new job the minute they start their current job at that point. If they're they're looking to take on that risk and they're looking to do that, they're looking from the minute that they're on your assignment through the entire thing before they get their next one. Okay, Katie, you told me 240 was my limit. Do you want me to keep talking? Because Chris and I could go for hours. Oh, I know you could. Um, (laughs) no i think that we have some very exciting things to get to so we can actually do that now hope i'm speaking a message in the chat okay so i think that the first thing that we want to do is maybe draw our winner uh we're giving away two swag packs from the full desk experience including fun things like a sweatshirt and a mag and um, maybe some other little goodies as well And as soon as we pick the winners, we will be reaching out via email or however to make sure we get your size correct because we do obviously have a sweatshirt. Mugs don't need to be a certain size unless you're Katie with her coffee. (laughs) She's waiting. (laughs) I have all of the names. We had 90 uh, registrants for today's show. I dropped all of them into our little deal. And then I am going to... As long as it doesn't freeze on me, we are going to spin twice. And I did this based on email because there's multiple of the same names, so um, but different emails. So our first one is going to 
Jameson at commonwealthstaffing.com. I'll drop this in the oh, chat so that way we've got it there. So here's our first winner. And this is always cracking. It always is that you are right. I know. And then I'm I'm spinning again. And the second winner is Val at valmedcareers.com. So I will go ahead and send each of you an email to get your shipping information so that way we can get these over to you. Yes, thanks, Mitch. Yes, sharing screens is always nerve-wracking. I appreciate the support there. Okay, so you guys have talked a lot today about automations. We're hopping into the AMA. Sorry for the, like, switch. We got some questions coming through before the show even about how to do this within Crelate. And so I have directed some of those questions over to our success team, success at Crelate.com. You guys can also reach out to support, which is just support at Crelate.com. But you guys also talked about the things that you shouldn't automate and not losing the human touch. Have you guys have any examples of going too far on automations or what where the hard line is, the hard deck is of automating? So we talked about references and why automating the outreach to references is huge. Automating the reference check itself, terrible. Don't do it. Now, I have seen this come more often from internal HR. Will they literally just send out a form to everyone who was listed as a reference? Because they don't care about a relationship. They just want a way to have a CYA that says, hey, the candidate is not a psychopath. Their goal is not in building a relationship with the reference giver. Their goal is to check a box. The whole reason references are valuable to you in a staffing or recruiting firm is the relationship that you can derive from it. Automation should not be automating the relationship. It is automating the outreach. It's automating some of the follow-up. Nothing is going to replace you getting on the phone and having a conversation and talking with somebody else. So don't automate and say, hey, I'm just going to have a reference check form and I'm going to email that out to people and see if, no, don't do that you are missing the entire point of where the value add really is. Use this as a mean to increase your number of relationships, not be a replacement for a relationship. I'm going to piggyback off that. Not only reference check, but I think as we look at new business logos, there's a lot of organizations that are like, I have this drip campaign. I have like, it's sending 32 emails. It's sending automatic text, but they're not hearing from anybody from the organization to understand the value. They're not getting, they're not building a relationship and there is nothing more frustrating. And I would say it's almost removal of trust in that process whenever you're relying solely on a computer or solely on the interaction with an email or a text message should do the job for you. So as you look at even developing new business right now, right here, right now, I know that's not a process we talked about, but is a process that you can start implementing or using automations to help you. I would say don't be over-reliant on those automations and make sure you are picking up the phone. You are having a conversation. You're not using one of those tools that'll just put you straight to their voicemail to leave a voicemail because you're going to lose trust because you're really truly not trying to establish the relationship. So Chris, to answer your question, we will be sending out a copy of this recording. Hopefully within the next 24 hours, it's something that StreamYard does automatically, speaking of automation. And then we will also be dropping this as a live podcast episode dropping on next Thursday. And as part of that, you will get kind of some of the step-by-step guides um, covering the four processes that we talked about. Mitch, I see your question. 
I'm not going to ask it here, but I can connect you with somebody at support or you can email support and they would be better suited to answer those kinds of questions for you. Okay, so you guys mentioned the first four things that you should automate within the, the four R's, if you will, of automation. What comes next after you've done these four things? It, we're talking about saving time and optimizing processes. What comes next? I love it. I love that you said the four R's because I think that's so fitting. So again, references, referrals, redeployment, re-engagement. Those are the four things I think we're to keep in mind. And Courtney and I kind of looked at this. I, we're kind of targeting the things that a lot of people aren't looking at or starting with today candidate outreach. Hey, I have a search. I've identified 30 candidates. That's a pretty common place. And, and that's often where I see a lot of people begin some simple automation, but look at your content. What you're sending in the automation, the message itself is incredibly important. Your subject line, I mean, take some basic, basic marketing kind of approach to this. Your subject line, it's got to be a really good subject line to get somebody's attention. The content of your email, have a call to action because the goal is not sending the automated email. That is not the goal. The goal is to make a connection, have a conversation. So having a call to action for them to set up a meeting with you, to call you, to respond to you, to connect with you on LinkedIn, to follow your company page, check out something you give them a request, have them do something that is going to give you first off metrics you can track. Most automation tools um, have the ability to track things like opens and click-through rates. That's going to tell you, is your message good? So a fantastic process with poor content is not going to work. You need to have good content in addition to a solid and consistent process. So Chris, you actually said something that prompted a follow-up question. When you're talking about the reporting aspect, how would you be able to tell if something within your automation was off? What's like, what are the metrics that people should be tracking when it comes to reporting on this type of stuff? Yeah. So a lot are going to be, especially on the email front, you're going to be looking at opens, click-throughs, replies. Those are going to be three things where most tools, including Crelate, are going to give you those basic components. Opens is going to essentially confirm or reject your subject line. If you send out an email, the email itself could be incredible, but if the subject line is template number three, nobody's going to click and open it. So the opens is going to be reflective of, did you have an effective subject line? Your call to action is, did your message, the content, the body of your email resonate with them? Did you get their attention? Courtney had mentioned my barbecue sauce recipe. It was a blueberry barbecue sauce, and it was absolutely amazing. And I found that I could find around holidays, you send people recipes and I would have people reply back who I'd never talked to. Literally, this was their first response of, I made it this weekend, it was amazing. And I got a contract signed out of it. It's incredible the content, how important that can be. I personally, I'm a foodie. I like to eat, I like to make my own food. Most people do as well. It's something different, it's something unique. Find something that is a value add in your content. Because at the end of the day, it needs to be all about them not all about you. I love that. I think that's a good point. And that kind of brings back to a question that I missed further up about the process. So in the beginning of the episode, you guys said that you can't automate without process. Can we talk about why that is and what the importance of the process is? So from an automation standpoint, it is you're essentially having a machine or a computer follow a process. You have to have a process to tell it what to do and when to do it. Courtney, when we had trained rookie recruiters, we generally had an outreach, not automated, 
the recruiter, they were the brain behind everything, but we'd have a touch plan. All right, I'm working on a new search. Day one, I'm sending this particular email. Day two, I'm calling. If I get a voicemail, I'm gonna send this email. Day three, I'm reaching out on LinkedIn. Day four, I'm calling again. If I leave a voicemail, I send another email. Day five, reach out on LinkedIn a second time. Following week, day six, I do it. You need to have, well, what are the steps that you go through from an outreach standpoint? As part of automation and most automation tools, including including Curlate, what will support and help is multi-touch. You need to have a multi-channel approach as part of your process. There are candidates who just don't check their email. My personal email inbox sits at like 40,000 unread messages at all times. I have to like hunt and like good luck because I don't check it. I'm never in there. My work email is only like 300 unread emails. So it's much better. Some people don't listen to their voicemail. Some people don't have their phone set up not to see texts from unknown numbers. Some people never check LinkedIn. Courtney and I remember we used to get asked like, what's the most effective way to get a hold of hold of somebody? You've got Facebook, you've got LinkedIn, you've got phone, you've got text, you've got email. Like, What's the best surefire way? The answer is you try all of them and see which works for that person. So your process needs to incorporate a multi-touch approach because you may reach out 10 times in a week. They only saw one of them because they don't check their email. They don't get on LinkedIn very often. Hey, Court, do we have a multi-touch guy yeah, somewhere? I was going to get there. We do have a multi touch plan strategy, Chris, I don't even know if you know, that's what we called it, but this is for business development. So a multi, like it's a 16 and 12 point touch point strategy for creating new logos and new business. So we do have that. I don't even remember what episode it was, but literally we have an ebook that walks you through that entire process. I love that. Now I will say a lot of offices, I know Chris can attest to this. A lot of offices as they're starting to scale or even large staffing organizations, they rely on their top producers to be their process driver. Because let's face it, well, what they're doing works, or I don't need to follow what Bob does because Bob produces his own thing. But what if you could replicate what Bob does for every single person in your organization and they could have the same success that Bob does? Use that. If you don't know where to start, use your top producers or use your strategy when you were a top producer, if you were running a desk, to be your starting point that doesn't mean it has to be set in stone and that you can't alter it or you can't change it after you're understanding what works in your vertical. So be open-minded and realize this is flexible. It's something that can move, but you have to start somewhere, whether it's your top producer or it's your process. You have to start somewhere to make it scalable for the rest of your organization. And Chris highlighted in the beginning of the episode, what happens if you could get your rookie producing at Bob's level within six months? What does that mean for that person making that money and within your organization? Who would not want that type of success? I love that. It's kind of coming full circle. Cool. Well, I think I'm out of questions for today. We will get the multi-touch plan strategy. We'll link it in these notes, the show notes of this podcast as well. So if you're listening to the podcast later and aren't here live, I will also include it in our downloads. If you are attending live and you registered for this event, You'll get an email after the event showing next Thursday when the episode drops. You'll get the ebook and then you'll also get the multi touch plan strategy email ebook as well. That being said, Court, I am going to hop off and let you guys wrap up. Thank you, Katie. All right, Chris, as always, thank you for joining us. I love when we can really dive into the details. And obviously, anybody who thinks as nerdy as I do, as frequently as I do, I always truly appreciate that. So thank you. No, my pleasure. It's great. And for me, this is such a, an important process component. But again, you can't automate a process you don't have. So look at your business. Look how you operate. What's the right way to do things? What is that path you wish 
every recruiter in your organization, every salesperson could follow. Let's write it out, codify it, make it real. Then we can automate it. I love that. Thank you. Obviously, as we wrap up another episode of our workshop in this full desk experience, thank you again to Chris for breaking down the details on implementation and automation of your recruiting and staffing businesses. Again, automation can be a game changer, but it's important not to get overwhelmed. Start with the key processes like we discussed today, whatever we're looking through processes that you can start with is re-engagement, references, referrals, and redeployment. Obviously, we talked about that touch point strategy too. So it's like a five for one. So focus on one area at a time, follow best practices, avoid common pitfalls that people fall into, but revisit them, revisit them frequently. Now, if you have any other questions about optimizing talent acquisition strategies, what you're doing, this podcast is exactly what we do. We really highlight everything from start to finish in the downfalls and successes that people have in this industry. So thank you as always for reaching out. If you have other ideas or questions, feel free to reach out to us at the full desk experience or actually full desk at crelate.com. Sorry, Katie, I screwed that up. Full desk at crelate.com for other topics. Thank you for putting that in there. Chris, Katie, and myself will be at Staffing World. So if anybody is going to be at Staffing World, feel free to write in the chat. We'd love to see you. We'd love to connect. Come by our booth. We are booth 919. And then Chris and I will also be at SRA the following week as well. So look forward to seeing many of your smiling faces in the upcoming weeks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating, review wherever you listen to. Again, it really helps us spread the word. I'm Courtney Hartman with Crelate, and we'll see you next time on the Full Desk Experience. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Courtney Harmon with Crelate. Thanks for joining the Full Desk Experience. Please feel free to submit any questions for next session to fulldesk at crelate.com or ask us live next session. If you enjoyed our show, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and sign up to attend future events that happen once a month.